Jeannie Flavelle's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Mike Coughlin, President and CEO of McKinney Flavelle, and today is January 6, 2023, and it's 2023. Oh my gosh. Welcome to our Hot Commodity Podcast Series. I'm joined by Kevin Combs, Vice President of McKinney Flavelle. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Mike. Hello, everybody, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Gosh, I, uh, you know, those that are following the weather know that uh, the Bay Area in Northern California has been seeing a lot of rain. We, we, uh, we're not used to the rain anymore, right, Kevin? No, it's been a, been a few years and it's a welcome sight, but uh, sometimes you get a little too much of that. I know. And, and, you know, I just wanted to give a shout out to you, Kevin. You know, you always look after me and, and watch my back. And I really appreciate you. A few weeks ago, you said, Mike, you need to clean your gutters. And <laughs> you went by my house and you said, man, you need to clean those gutters. And you know what I did before the rain hit this week? I clean my gutters, and it was because of you, Kevin. So I'm just giving a shout out to you to say thank you. You're welcome, and uh, <laughs> I will take that dinner anytime. Yeah, yeah, wherever you want to go. I heard, you know, whether it's McDonald's, uh, I love their French fries. They're they're really good, <laughs> and uh, maybe a milkshake. Whatever you want, Kevin. There you it's go. your day. Yeah. Well, speaking of weather, Kevin, I thought today we'd talk a little bit about the sugar market. And uh, we are all, you know, those in the sugar industry or corn sweetener industry are all making their appointments for the colloquium, which McKinney Flavelle will be there in strong force. Um, but, you know, we've had some weather events, not only in the northern California area, but uh, around the U.S. and even in Mexico that have impacted or may impact uh, the sugar industry. So do you want to talk a little bit about that today? Yeah, it's a great topic. I think, you know, we're, yeah. we're starting to get some information back from some of the weather events that have taken place, particularly in Louisiana. And uh, it got really, really cold down there um, back in late December. And it looks like, you know, the crop was probably about 75% harvested. So that was the good news. There wasn't a lot of cane left. Well, depending on your perspective on that, 25% still quite a bit, but not too much out there still to uh, be susceptible to damage. Texas was probably more like 50% harvested, so still a lot of uh, potential jeopardy there from the frost. But you know, we saw temperatures dropping down uh, potentially even below 20 degrees in some areas, but you know, low to mid 20s uh, throughout a lot of the uh, Cane areas, Louisiana, uh, Texas, not quite as bad, not quite as cold down there, but certainly below freezing as well. And fortunately, it was just a short duration, so we didn't get several days of frost potential. So I think that really helped out and spared the cane crop, stopped any stocks from splitting, etc., where you know virtually the juice would be uh, leaking out of the stock. So. Damage was probably uh, minimal at this point in time, but it's still, you know, I think going to show up on the balance sheet when USDA assesses the crops here on the next WASDE report. So next week, yeah, you know, just looking at it, uh, some of the estimates, some of the reports we've seen on uh, news articles has suggested there's maybe 500,000 tons of cane still to be harvested in Louisiana or, you know, potentially impacted 
still and whether or not all that cane will be worthwhile unharvested is probably a good question so i think we'll see some uh cane not get harvested and some of it just obviously lower sugar recovery will take place from what they do harvest so just being reasonable i think you know the record crop usda has been forecasting at 2.025 million short ton draw value you know you're probably looking at 50 75,000 tons uh, we've heard from Louisiana's, you know, definitely think it's still going to be a good crop, but record is definitely off the table at this point. So okay. mm-hmm. uh, just kind of sticking with that theme, I think you look at maybe 50, 75,000 tons coming off of Louisiana. And then in Texas, it's hard to say. We're already looking at a pretty uh, poor crop at only 97,000 tons. The temperatures weren't as bad, but, uh, you know, you may have to trim that number even a little bit further, which is uh, very disappointing for uh, Texas growers. Yeah, I was going to ask you, Kevin. Uh, so with that in mind, your, your your ideas of a reduction in the crop in Louisiana, do you, uh, what's your opinion on how that might uh, or may not impact the current uh, pricing of sugar? Well, when I look at sugar prices from a raw sugar market, which, you know, that's what we're really talking about here uh, from production yep. Louisiana, you're already up there. You're over 36 cents. The markets actually come off a little bit what yes, actually come off a little bit really? but i think that's oh. more in sympathy with the markets in general okay particularly looking at the world market you know we were back over 20 cents on the world market and we've come off about a penny there and so the 16s come off about 50 cents you know we we're up there like 36 75 36 80 type of numbers and uh you know come off half a cent so i i think when you look at the raw sugar market, it's going to be more about, you know, the crops are still there. The production is still decent. You know, we were looking at a record crop Louisiana. So taking off a little bit, it's not the end of the world. And, um, you know, there's still going to be a lot of work to do by the USDA when uh, it comes to managing the program after, you know, April. And uh, they have a huge uh, TRQ shortfall uh, projected of 255,000 tons right now. So, I expect a lot of reassignment activity and whatnot shortly after April 1st. I'm sure they'll want to address that just to make sure. And, you know, they showed, showed, showed that last year that they were going to be aggressive in uh, managing the raw sugar market with prices being up. So I, I fully expect that to continue. Excellent. Um, how about, uh, shall we move up north? Um, you said it was cold down in Louisiana. I bet you there's a few beet farmers out there saying like, you have no idea what cold is. Is it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. So, yeah, you know, anything we, up there topical to talk about, weather related? When you talk about beat country, you know, you start talking about uh, you know Louisiana getting into the twenties, and when you talk about the Red River Valley, you probably talk yeah. about the minus twenties. Yes, you know, they actually <laughs> like they actually like that stuff up there. So, uh, no um, thanks. No thanks for me too. That's why we live in Northern California. But there you go. Good for them, and and glad somebody's up there to tend to the beets and yes. the piles and making sure. So you know that's not obviously minus twenty is not comfortable for anybody. But um, from the beet crop perspective, really not. Uh, you know, the piles cold weather is good. Keep those piles frozen until they get those beets in the uh, factory to be processed. Not really hearing anything uh, terribly. You know disappointing in that front so um i think as far as they work through the crops here all is uh going decently 
USDA is still showing a 4.927 million ton raw value number for beet sugar. Uh, I've kind of been saying this for months. The USDA seems to be carrying a very low number. And when you look at the actual crop estimates in the SMD report, they're not showing that drastic of a number that they show on WASDE, which means that they're looking at the fiscal adjustments. And when you come up and you do the math, you know, my numbers still show that they're using a very, very low early harvest number for August and September this year, like way below normal to come up with that number. So I still expect that number to come higher and uh, I'm still going to hold my bias that uh, there's 150, 200,000 tons to come into the uh, beet sugar crop when we get a oh, good yeah. early harvest this year. And knock, knock, hopefully uh, this spring uh, yeah. we get some rain across all these areas. We get good yep. moisture content. We get good subsoil moisture. And lo and behold, come mid-April, it's like 70 degrees in the Red River Valley. And uh, they're able to like just plant like crazy early. You know, Kevin, with all the uh, supply chain issues and uh, boy it was pretty pretty tight this uh and bleak as we neared the third and fourth quarter this year so i'm sure there's a few folks out there at least that would welcome some additional sugar into this crop year i think so and i think you know a lot of these uh beet cooperatives that are you know sitting there and having short supply you know we still have one that had a force majeure event again this year so yeah. uh i'm sure all of them would be more than happy to get a early planting season in place and actually have weather cooperate for a change. And I love it. You know, Mexico is not uh, much different either, Mike. Yes, so, that's let's talk about that. So, you know, looking down south of the border here, you know, their uh, mills have been starting up here. Most mills running at this point in time, just a few that uh, are further south haven't. And they're about 15% through their harvested area. Mm. And, uh, of course, USDA is forecasting production at 5.9 versus last year at 6.185 million metric tons. So looking for decline. And the numbers are supporting that decline. Uh, both uh, they are a little bit behind on the campaign, which could be some of the mills that are dealing, particularly in the northeast where drought was impacting production. Uh getting a late start, uh, trying to get a little bit of a yield boost as weather was improving uh, as they got up close to the crop year, so more rains, etc. But uh, anyway, they're a little bit behind on pace. And when you look at yields so far, they're also uh, behind uh, last year. Early yields were at 79 uh, metric tons per hectare. And this year, that's only at 75, so down the... Uh, a decent margin so gonna have to see you know once we get into peak uh, crush and next uh you know really 30 45 days if that starts to recover or not but uh certainly looking like the usda estimate at 5.9 and you know a lot of the trade in mexico i've heard as low as 5.8 before the harvest started um was at that similar type of number so not really good news there, but you know when you look at their overall supply demand with production, if it does meet 5.9, look at what uh, their domestic consumption is. You know, I certainly see them fully able to meet their uh, USDA export number without too much trouble, which is okay. 1.477 million short tons, which uh, comes out to like 
five, something like that, million metric tons. So okay. nothing to be concerned about. But uh, again, the estimate has been confirmed lower. Excellent. Well, uh, anything else before we let folks uh, go, go off and enjoy their weekend? That's it. Happy Friday, everybody. Have a great weekend, and uh, let's hope it uh, doesn't rain too much more here in Northern California this weekend so we can get a little bit of activity in before it can rain next week. Exactly. It's coming. Hey, and uh, actually, I have something before I let everyone go. And and again, thank you, Kevin. Great job recapping the sugar market. We have a risk management webinar coming up on January 25th at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. You'll be able to register uh, at our website at mckinney-favel.com. Sean Bingham, our Director of Risk Management, and Nicole Thomas, Vice President of McKinney Flavel, will be covering the five factors that could influence the grain markets in 2023. So I'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there that want to take a look at registering for that webinar. Again, you can do it at our website. They'll be covering the factors. There's going to be five factors primarily that they're going to cover. They're going to be talking about monetary policy, the U.S. dollar, energy and biofuels, domestic and global grain stocks, and the U.S. economy. Don't miss it. January 25th, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Kevin, I want you to have a great weekend. Have us some football. There you go. Anyway, as I always like to say, live with an attitude of gratitude. Enjoy every minute moment with your friends and family. Welcome in 2023. And until our next podcast, take care, everybody. Bye. Right now. That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favel's IQ Ingredient Intelligence platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit McKinney-Favel.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.